0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense
2: right, looking to throw, Bonito
0: gives chase, comes back left, Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory, Redmond picked it up, Redmond on the run, Redmond scores,
2: oh mama! Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host this evening, Kam Murabi, and joined by the wonderful Jack Shields. Jack, how is life treating you these days? You're still muted. You're you're muted. You're still muted. I'm okay now. I'm unmuted now. He I was holding a natty that light that. for those that are li- going to listen to the podcast. For that,
0: for those who observe uh, natties for patty, uh, you know, celebrate the season right now. Natty's for skip, maybe. What what's a catchy thing for natties for skip? Uh, maybe maybe dips for skip. Could we get some skull or something like that? That wouldn't be quite <laughs> cool. I don't think,
2: but. you know what Joe dirt said about skull, right? Keep that skull, baby. <laughs> oh man. I, I was, was does skip. And cause we were, I've, we've already talked about this. Does, and I, and I've been, this is like my first time watching OE baseball. I'm not a big baseball guy. We've talked about this on the podcast. Um, d- it does he have like a vape cartridge out there on the field with him
0: no, no i think that's a gun like a radar kind of gun I, because I like know. just
2: the other day the way he was holding it in like it was no, by his face I, I, I was like is too, this dude no, like vaping it was, it
0: was vape cartridge i think it, I, I couldn't quite tell what it was i think it uh it was either that or a walkie-talkie like uh he can you know call the bullpen and stuff like that so uh that Re-
2: regardless it shows my ignorance to baseball it, yeah. whether well, w- whatever it was
0: to what the device is i mean i know a lot about college baseball and I, i've covered OU baseball for a while but yeah I, i'm not completely sure what that device is so forgive me for that one but
2: yeah that's fair and so we we got to start off the show um with our now new views of the new top gun it just came out after waiting however many years, uh, 30, 20 something years.
0: Some perspective on the gap between the original and the sequel. My parents' first date was the original Top Gun. Mm. So there's, there's a non-zero chance that I wouldn't be here without Top Gun. Who's <laughs> to say, I don't know.
2: It's, po- it's, in- know. it's entirely possible. And I mean, i don't want to give away any spoilers obviously um but would you you would you say this one is better
0: yeah i would yeah and i I like the original i i I mean i you know saw it many times throughout my life and you know it was you know a good movie it really was and uh you know for back then i mean the uh you know the way it was shot and everything like that was you know pretty fantastic but uh It was just, it it was a jaw-dropping film, this sequel was, just visually and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, all the flying was, you know, you know, it was really shot from a cockpit. I mean, this wasn't all CGI or anything like that. It was just, it was just a stunning, stunning movie. I mean, I, I loved it from start to finish
2: yeah and it also helps like when movies have plots and stuff like that like remember the first one where it's yeah. just kind of like oh there's these migs in the yeah. area right I mean, And well, like
0: the first one was a little a little aimless i guess um but
2: uh very it was, 90s very I, 90s yeah,
0: it, it was a, it was a good movie still but uh, yeah this one had a i'd say a stronger plot to
2: it yeah it me. was so just go see it man like i'm, I'm taking my I, I was telling jack before we started podcasting uh, my dad hasn't seen it yet so i'm taking my dad to go see it And my dad loved the first one he was like he was like wait a minute which one is that one and he's like going through the songs in his head he's like oh that's the great balls of fire one i was like yes that's the great balls of fire one dad uh and he's really excited so we're publicly endorsing uh going and seeing top gun maverick like you said the cinematography it's all real uh they made it cgi for a reason uh it's fantastic so yeah Let's move on to real Sooner stuff. We got a lot of things for you guys. We've got, you know, the softball team. We need to talk about the softball team. We've got the baseball, which I'm giving Jack the floor for that because he knows way more about baseball, especially Oklahoma Sooners baseball than I do. We've got recruiting, especially new recruiting news that conveniently dropped like two hours before this podcast. We've got uh, Brent Venables and our kind of our thoughts on like, re- is, what what is he going to be? What is our outlook on him? Um, in a lot of other things, but let's first get into it. Gasso, the goat, the woman has won six titles as a coach, four titles in six seasons, uh, five of the last nine. And, uh, is she, is she the greatest coach? And this, and I don't know if this, I don't even think this is a hot take. Is she the greatest coach that's ever walked the halls and walked the institutions and the campus? at Norman in Oklahoma.
0: I I would say in the last, I mean, at least in the last 50 years, I mean, she'd be rivaled by, you know, Mark Williams and KJ Kindler, obviously, Mm -hmm. as far as a success in their sport. But uh, she, it's unique because she is basically the face of college softball right now in an era in which it is really ascending in popularity. So that's it's kind of making her a the ratings
2: cool. are incredible. They're Rating beating points. the hell out of other other things.
0: Ratings were great, and there's a reason for it. I mean, it's there's so much passion out on the diamond, and uh, it's that, and the fact that the pace of play is a little bit better than baseball, a lot better than baseball. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's a smaller field, it's more intimate setting. It's just a really good sport for TV, and the networks are figuring that out. This was the first year where they had a game on ABC. Remember?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
0: that's a big deal. And uh, with the ratings they got, they'll do it again. They absolutely yeah. will
2: as soon it, as it, as soon as it was noted it was going to be on ABC. That uh, was it. The OU Texas game, the first one.
0: Yes, yeah, the first one. Yeah, that, uh, that,
2: that, I was like, holy, holy God! Like prime time on a weekend, ABC. Yeah, uh, this is serious. Yeah, and and kudos to the sport, right? And like you said. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I got the help of Steven and Seth on a previous podcast. I was like, please tell me why I like softball and I can get into softball way more than I can get into baseball. And a lot of it boiled down to how A, uh, there's more wild pitches, uh, but also B, uh, like you just said, things interesting. The- the pace of play is constant. Um, and, um, there's a lot of hits and it's a lot of exciting plays to be had about the sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, at this point, I mean, there's been a lot of talk of, uh, you know, Patty Gasso getting a statue in front of the new loves field whenever that's finally finished. And, uh, yeah, it needs to be, like, a comically large statue, basically.
2: Yeah, like... You, like... you
0: mentioned that on Twitter as well. Uh, <laughs> it needs... It, it. You know, maybe not quite Statue of Liberty big, but, you know, it's... She is a larger-than-life figure, and she deserves a larger-than-life statue, is what I think. So, I, it needs to be comically large, I think.
2: I I think of... I th- I think of the massive statue, like ancient statue that is, the name is escaping me right now, where ships would go underneath him between his, like, huge legs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Why is it... Um why is I'm that
0: thinking of, uh, i'm thinking of game of thrones when you mention that That's
2: i mean that that could apply too but yeah. I, yes i mean i'm expecting like a 500 foot like bronze statue yeah. that you can also that like that may, maybe rivals yeah. the something devon tower like,
0: taller than sarkis
2: yeah you know like it's like i'm expecting something just put, it,
0: put it you know in place of the physical sciences center because that building is evil and i never want to go in there again and something else should be there
2: it's just incredible that and they mentioned this several times on the pod on the on the podcast on on the broadcast which i really appreciated is and it's something that we talked about every time we talk about P- patty gasso it's the fact that she came here in, to norman in 95 and she got one early national title in 2000 and has hit her golden age in the latter parts of her career and they talked and about as,
0: the it. as a coach in that, that period of time she's yes players coach
2: and, and 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 they talked about on the broadcast that she became obsessed with winning which was holding her back And and just like actualizing the game and like reifying yourself and taking a calmer approach and more like Phil Jackson approach, if you will, if we're being quite honest, Um, it's it's just incredible that the longevity is what to me, other than the amount of rings she has. I mean, like you have a new transfer that we'll get into in a second. But, like, I mean, all you have to do is dump out like all these rings and say, look, have look how many rings there are within the last nine seasons. That's more than half of nine. And, yeah. like, that's all you need. And you have all Americans on your team. The fourth, the four first batters on your team, the four first up bat on your team are all Americans and in, in Jada Coleman, Jocelyn Allo, TRA Jennings, and Grace Lyons. I mean, it's just incredible, and so we have to talk about we have to talk about Jada Coleman's game two. Like game one, obviously the Sooners, you know, they get they they go down a run, I think, or something like that, or they went up two one two, and Texas scored a run or something like that. I can't remember the, the specifics. Yeah, just because two, OU two
0: sack flies leading up to that.
2: And then oh you just like just started thrashing them like a ragdoll, like Dulcine. They they ragdolled Dulcini like that these both times around, or the it in the heck, even the, the heck other time.
0: The other picture, yeah.
2: Um and um game one was game one, it was 15 to 2 or whatever it was. And then the game two, the vibes were weird, right? I mean You started Jordy Ball, was not expecting that at all. Um, I was expecting May, Nicole May in the circle. I was like, okay, I guess we're going to see what Jordy Ball's got for Texas if she can just like blast right past these guys. And it was not looking good early. And Jada Coleman, not only with her bat, but with her defense, puts on a clinic. Like, first of all, the robbing of the home run. And then later on, you've got she gets the ball at the wall and just rockets it to second base for an out when Did the per, when she's running for a double. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible.
0: It's, yeah, it, that was one of the more memorable individual championship performances I can think of from an OU athlete in a very long time. I, I mean, it's, you know, I think of a, you know, the national championship game in 2000. I mean, you think of, you know, Roy Williams and Rocky Kalmus in that game. And, you know, the defense as a whole collectively in that game, they were kind of the superstar of that. And uh, But as far as, like, an individual performance is concerned in a championship setting, I – can't think of one that stands out as much as what jada coleman did in that game it, w- it was awe-inspiring it was, like
2: it was she is just at every turn doing something big oh yeah like she was clutch this entire postseason and in last in last postseason remember she was a not she wasn't a liability but she wasn't as clutch as she was this right. this this postseason oh my god, goodness both offensively
0: Whoa. and defensively you know?
2: yes like always hitting okay. doubles lead off doubles just slapping them to left field yeah. getting on he base and-
0: sophomore too i mean oh my
2: gosh it's incredible yeah. and like they panned the camera to billy bowman once in the stadium and we talked about it and like i we i think i can't remember who i talked about it with and i was like all right well it's official guys uh, Billy Bowman is officially Jada Coleman's boyfriend who happens to play an OU's football team until right. proven <laughs> otherwise.
0: Uh, same, yeah, I mean, Landry Jones was Whitney Hands' boyfriend, as I recall correctly, he was that before he was the OU quarterback. So, uh, yes, Billy Bowman, same thing, buddy. Yeah. You're, you know, you're with someone who was very special. So,
2: and, and Do that's not to, to say
0: it, you got to deal with it. Cause she's that, amazing.
2: That's not to say that this team, uh, in itself, uh, has been nothing short of amazing this entire year. Um, You have Jocelyn Allo, who is probably the best, not probably, who is the best player to have come out of the University of Oklahoma and has changed the landscape of softball and rewritten all the history books at OU as far as uh, a batter uh, and softball in general. Yes. Um, You have, her career is incredible. You have Grace Lyons, who has gotten mar- has gotten marginally better and then leaps better throughout her years at o- at OU as a really, really nails on the, on the, on the diamond shortstop and a, and a, and a, and a woman that, you know, would be anybody's favorite home run hitter. She hit over 20 home runs and yeah. she's hitting in the fourth spot after yeah. Jocelyn Allo, TR Jennings, who I haven't even mentioned yet, who is going to be OU's really big slugger next year. Um, Minding if OU doesn't get another transfer in that is an, a, yet another All American, which yeah. is very possible. And uh, of course, soon for that. Yeah, for real. Uh, and you've got, of course, you know, Grace Lyons, you, a uh, this team, best softball team, o- Patty Gas has ever had. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Like by far, by far. Yeah,
0: it's essentially, no, not by far. I mean, it was, it was, a, I mean, almost the same roster as you saw a year ago. The difference was basically
2: If Jordy off, Ball would have been healthy, would it have there? been the best yeah. like oh, yeah, all around?
0: 100%. Yeah, they they wouldn't have lost to Oklahoma State or UCLA if she were healthy. If she were fully healthy. Yeah, they, they'd have one loss.
2: It's incredible. That
0: would they'd be the best softball team ever.
2: You know, it, it's just, it's just they, simply incredible
0: are, honestly. I mean they were unflappable. Really, and
2: so. The, the moment that Kinsey Hansen, who had struggled, like she, she Kinsey Hansen last off last postseason was always somebody you could really wow. rely on to slap she, well, a, like and a single.
0: Was, uh, you know, if, if I recall correctly, she was hitting in the cleanup spot last yeah, year, yeah,
2: she was and, four uh, or five last year,
0: yeah, yeah. and then uh, you know, she. She kind got injured a little bit at the plate. She was still nails behind the plate, but yeah, uh, she was. was struggling at the plate a little bit this year. But uh, yeah, she came up big in the biggest moment,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Sooners are up like what four two, uh, two one two at the
1: time, or yeah, three, yeah
2: three, that's what it was three uh, two and two one. And you know, this postseason, I think she was batting like 125, not great. Yeah. Um. and finally gets the payoff shot to left field three run Homer. And at that time you hear all the Texas fans immediately, their breath sucked out of their bodies. Like yeah. just, I was the great, of the ball right there. Great, great moment for her. Then of course, you know, Jocelyn Allo and the curtain call and all the tears and all the things she had to say afterwards, those are some special things and they are special people and uh, of course, we have Breaking Tea Apparel at CrimsonAndCreamMachine.com. Sure, dot com.
0: We've got another one dropping. Uh, I believe I'll have it up tonight as well. Another Jocelyn Alo shirt that I think all of you will like a whole
2: Oh yeah, there. Break Breaking yeah. Tea Apparel guys, just go to CrimsonAndCreamMachine.com, dot com and you'll find it. There yeah. are Jocelyn Alo shirts, a like uh, Home Run Queen, David Coleman shirt
0: with the catch.
2: I'm oh yes, really
0: good stuff in. You know, I've been working with Breaking Tea for probably four or five years now. Their shirts are so comfortable. Like, oh, I, they're I, great. It isn't just you know me, you know, just uh, shilling for them. Honestly, I mean, I, they really are great, great shirts, and they they just really quality products. I highly recommend getting.
2: Yeah, I was wearing my Jada Coleman shirt the day of game two. Um, and <laughs> I I was very happy to be wearing that shirt and repping Jada Coleman. Uh she deserves all that credit. Dang, she is an impressive athlete. And so Oklahoma is obviously gearing up Patty Gasso, never sleeps. That machine keeps turning with JT Gasso and uh Jen Rocha, those guys keep on turning in this machine, and they're losing some significant pieces. Obviously, Jocelyn Allo, you know, Jana Johns, Grace Lyons, Hope Wine. Oklahoma's already big, brought in the Big Ten Player of the Year and Michigan pitcher Alexis and to pair with Jordy Ball. Um, Patty is undoubtedly going to bring in another high-level, high-caliber, maybe All-American slugger uh, to wow. replace an Alo spot I mean, yeah, for somebody at third base. Of, and if that
0: comes to fruition, then look out i mean not in
2: they they don't live or play very far away uh, is that a uh is that a sentiment that you're aware of as well yes
0: correct yep yep
2: and this person has hit quite well yeah. um some might say and so just saying softball not done yet not done. Not yeah. even close. Oh, and she, oh, and of course, Tiara Jennings. Everybody would love to have Tiara Jennings as their cleanup hitter. As their
0: Jennings was the second best player in the country this
2: year. Unbelievable.
0: I mean, and and she's going to be the best player in the country next year. She. I'd be shocked if she isn't the national player of the year next year.
2: She. She's if at in at at her height at five ten. It's just incredible what she's being able to do. Like you typically, you see all these home run hitters being, you know, a little bit like stronger, more stocky, and she just get she gets her hips turned around so fast, and the barrel on the ball, incredible. yeah, out.
0: No, she's she's superb. All
2: right, Jack, I'm going to give you the floor. I I posted one video that Trevin Michael retweeted and is now like. Giving me notifications like crazy, uh, because of Kenny Powers and yada yada, um, but. Give me the rundown of what the hell is going on with Oklahoma baseball and how they're like, oh, yeah, they're maybe a dark horse. You know, I would hear it on Twitter. And then they won in Gainesville and they won a series in Blacksburg. And now they're in in Omaha. Tell me. Give me a rundown. What's going on?
0: Okay, so there's a lot of talk about OU being a hot team right now as the postseason's going on. The reality is they have been hot for coming up on about two months now at this point. It all started probably around mid-April they had had some really gut-wrenching series losses uh, losing two of three to Oklahoma State and Texas some really head-scratching mistakes out there some just some collapses where it looked like they were going to clinch the series both times and didn't then after that they get a bit of a reprieve in the conference schedule they have a you know a kind of a lighter non-conference weekend, and then they have Kansas and Kansas State back-to-back. And you know, you're know, you thinking, hey, maybe they can you know, gain some confidence with the bats and maybe get something going. This could kind of propel them into the tough late stretch, and it sure did. They won a series at TCU. They won a series at Texas Tech. They beat West Virginia at home two of three, and they have not let up since then. They swept through the Big 12 tournament. They, you know, dominated the Gainesville regional. Mm-hmm. They, you know,
2: went two of three. Even with the, the weather delay.
0: Oh, yeah. and Well, then, I think that might have helped a little bit as well. But, um, you know, I and agree. then taking two of three in Blacksburg against a Virginia Tech team that, you know, just knocks the shit out of the ball. Frankly, they were a major power hitting team, and they kept them in check two out of three games. And that was just really impressive. And, you know, at this point, they have – all three of their weekend starters, you know, at this point they're not necessarily playing on the weekend, but uh, you know, with the postseason schedule being slightly different, but their three primary starters are all pitching very well right now, and the most impressive aspect of all of that has been Cade Horton,
2: mm. who was
0: a you know redshirt freshman,
2: Norman High Zone, Kate Norman Horton. High Zone, I yeah, he I, was coming I, off had... of,
0: you know major surgery last year and coming in, and he you know, he was playing third base for a good chunk of the season Mm -hmm. and then started to gradually come in in a relief role about halfway through the year. And then, you know, fairly, it's still fairly recent at this point, him uh, you know, becoming the Sunday starter. And he has been unflappable. That's been one of the biggest keys, the fact that you can get six or seven innings out of your Sunday guy and, you know, create a little bridge for, uh, you know, Chaz Martinez and Trevin Michael to close the deal you don't have to waste as many arms. I mean, the I, I'd say right now the one weakness of this team that's still there is just the quality of the bullpen depth. Mm-hmm. But if all three of your starters are going six, seven innings, that alleviates that concern to some extent. So right now, you know, if that continues to go the way that it is, I really think OU has a shot to win it all because there's a gap between...
2: And, and Skip Johnson... Correct me if I'm wrong. Skip Johnson has a pretty good reputation as a pitching coach. Yeah.
0: About as good as it comes. I mean, he, in the off season, he is Clayton Kershaw's pitching coach.
2: All right. So, you know,
0: (laughs) you know, comes in with, you know, heavy accolades. He was Texas's pitching coach for 10 years. That's a pretty good pedigree. uh, Yeah. Before joining uh, Pete Hughes's staff for one year and then, you know, the leadership in the athletic department, they were around skip for an extended period of time. Pete was not quite getting it done the way that they wanted him to get it done. And they mm-hmm. said, Hey, um, I think our guy is on campus right now. And uh, yeah, skip ended up taking over for Pete and, you know, they didn't make the tournament the first year they did make it, you know, after that. And then the 2020 season, they were looking like an Omaha team at that point, and then it was cut short by COVID. COVID you know, they yeah. All three of their weekend starters that year went in the first five rounds, the only five rounds that happened during the COVID draft. All three of them were taken. And so because of that, last year was a bit of a rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. They don't make the NCAA tournament, and then they're back with a vengeance this year with a still a fairly young baseball team, a lot of young talent on it. The freshmen are really playing well. Uh, John Spikerman, Wallace Clark. I mean, it's, it's you know, a really fun roster to watch, but, uh you know, the power has kind of come on as of late. Um, you know, earlier in the year, they just didn't have great power numbers, but, uh you know, over the last two months, that has changed quite a bit as the weather has warmed up and uh, the confidence has, you know, skyrocketed a bit. And, uh, you know, I I really think, you know, in with Omaha, all eight teams in a year have a shot to win it. If you get to that point, with that format, you've got a shot to win it. I just really think that they are built to get it done right now, mm.
2: and Especially like against a And
0: right? And like I said, this isn't just a flash in the pan right now. This has been happening for about two months now. Yeah, I mean, this is a good baseball. They've been hot. They've the been out. really hot. Yeah,
2: they and and I am a I am a very 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 big fan of Trevin Michael's pettiness.
0: Yeah. Oh, love it. Gotta love it.
2: Yeah, they, it's, uh... The horns down right after defeating Texas. Yeah
0: correct and it's not just him either i mean you had a uh, peyton graham staring into the florida dugout after a homer you had a uh, uh blake robertson doing the gator Chomp in gainesville after uh clinching the uh, regional there i mean there's a uh, they, they talk their shit i enjoy it i mean they're uh, they're a fun baseball team to get behind I'm, I'm really enjoying the ride
2: and so that concludes our i think that's our first baseball talk we've ever had on the podcast yeah
0: i mean I, you know one thing, you know, we used to be, you know, we still technically can be credentialed for baseball. We took a little break with COVID and all that kind of stuff. And we yeah. took a break this year, you know. We uh, haven't it covered it as much as we'd like to. Our schedules just don't quite allow for it the way that it used to whenever, you know, we first started over here. But, uh, yeah, it's they're – a, they're a team that absolutely deserves your support. And I think uh, season tickets for next year are on sale right now. I would – I'd consider, you know.
2: Might you know, get this. Might get this pretty soon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they'll be a fun team next year, I guarantee you.
2: So let's go on to some recruiting. Oklahoma gets good news today, uh, yeah. but that's not the only good news they've had recently. Uh, they've they've gotten three star. He's a three star, four star in some sites. Uh, Keon Brown from Tallahassee. Yeah. yeah. The dude is six foot three, maybe six foot four in cleats, maybe yeah. six foot three in cleats all you kind need to know
0: seen lately with recruiting at receiver. So you're getting a lot more mm-hmm. big bodies at receiver. Lately.
2: Oh yeah. These are going to be the dudes that are going to be in, the, in the boundaries. And these are going to be the guys that are going to be long striders and catching really long dimes from Dylan Gabriel. um, And whoever the and Jackson Arnold and whoever the next quarterbacks, they will be in Jeff Levy's offense. And I mean, oh, Keon Brown.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: Can't count them out. They, the. the the guy, it, he dominated the camp uh, where Oklahoma was at, um, and he, of course, picks up an Alabama offer right after. Um, and he, it, it, it's it's pretty easy to see that. Um, he's the guy that you want. If Alabama is going to offer that guy, you obviously want that guy. Um, he was also offered uh, by, of course, Florida State, where he, where he rolled from in Tallahassee. Um He was also offered by Neon Dion and Miami. So, I mean, like, this guy, he's pretty quality. Um And he, again, like we said, Jeff Levy's offense, big body receiver. Uh And remember that year Jay Norvell had all the big trees with Dallas Todd. None of them
0: came to fruition either. None of them came to fruition. So I yeah, that, yeah, Dallas Todd and uh, Danon Cavill. Yeah, I thought, yeah. you know, I mean, giddy up. And, yeah, none of them materialized at all unfortunately I yeah
2: mark mark and mike i think mark andrews was in that class and it was like he uh, he's was an was outlier
0: 14 class i think he was the next class i think they were in the mm. class before him i want to say
2: i, I just remember that huge that i was like oh wow oklahoma's recruiting trees now and none of them worked out other than sterling shepherd yeah who was not a tree <laughs> um and, and certainly let's be honest with jay norvell's shep was always coming to OU anyways yeah. Uh, so he does not deserve credit for that. Uh, also Oklahoma game, the, uh, the commitment of three star Cade McIntyre from Nebraska. He's an athlete by some schools. He's being recruited as a linebacker. However, he is roughly six foot five uh, and he's being recruited as a tight end uh, by Oklahoma. Uh, Joe John Finley. He has offers from the, basically the crowd of, three yards in a pile of dust. Um, he's yeah. got offers from Iowa, Kansas State, Nebraska, and Tennessee, specifically Iowa, Kansas State, Nebraska. I think, does this signal to you the new types of tight ends that Oklahoma is going after they're, they, I Do you think they're no longer going after the Mark Andrews of the world?
0: Well, I don't think you necessarily have to limit to one or the other. I mean, mm-hmm. you can be multiple in your offensive formations. I mean, you can, you know, got, have guys, you know, uh, like the transfer from Missouri who they're bringing in this year, who is more of a, you know, blocking
2: tight end. Well, I, I, I guess, I guess, I guess Mark Andrews is a bad example. And so would Jermaine Gresham. Would you say Oklahoma would be done with the grand calcateras of the world? More, more, uh, less less finesse tight ends and more yeah. guys that can play inside a little bit more.
0: Yeah, probably. I I would say so for sure. Because I mean, Grant, you know, he 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 straight up was not a tight end. That's it, not what he was. I mean, it's big ass receiver. It's not a disrespect to Grant. It's just Oh yeah. He was he wasn't a tight end. He just really wasn't. You know he was tall. That's basically all that you know made him categorized as a tight end. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I would say so for sure. Yeah, you're gonna have bigger bodies, you know, bulkier bodies at tight end. I would assume. I I
2: thought old. I thought Daniel Parker Jr.'s tweet the other day, the the tight end you were just discussing, yeah. he like he's a blocking guy, and of course in the spring game you saw him running routes. I was like, holy crap, is that Daniel Parker running routes? Because at Mizzou, I think he only caught a total of like two passes. Yeah uh he's gonna do more in this offense and i he had a tweet the other day about Schmidty's summertime workouts and he's like i can't move my legs i can't walk anywhere and it's the funniest thing so that these guys place. they're all being broken down being built back up and then today like now hour right before we get on the podcast I, i'm thinking running backs i'm actually like talking about running backs Oklahoma gets a commitment from Caleb Hicks from Denton, Texas offers from Alabama, um, a little bit, little, still a little bit, you know, unhappy about. How Oklahoma running back commitments have been when they have an Alabama offer, but no longer is Jay Bolware on staff. Demarco Murray nails those guys down pretty hard, yeah. especially if you're keeping Gavin Sawchuk in the middle of a regime change, or you yeah. Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes. Yeah, I mean, that, like, that like that's a dude. They came to play for Demarco Murray. Yes, that is a dude yeah. you want on your staff yeah. that is able to lock down those commitments when they don't seem like. They're going to be the, the big deals. And Caleb Hicks is a guy that you're going to want on your team. He's a guy that's got vision in the backfield. Um, he's going to cut outside. Uh, he ha- he's not, not going to be a big guy who makes a lot of cuts, but he's, he's got more agility uh, than he does speed, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but certainly he has great vision out of the backfield and can make those one or two cuts in the backfield to take off downfield and that's something that you really got to uh really got to appreciate um about him and his talent and what he's bringing to the table so talk about more guys that are being recruited by OU um you have other running backs you have uh we just talked about him Dylan Edwards we talked we were texting about him Dylan yeah. Edwards i have my uh, phone in we'll talk about them a little bit later, but the recruiting in general this year now you have two four stars if you go by two four seven. Uh, and I think rivals too now you have two four stars, which are Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold earned his fifth star <laughs> the other day by two four seven. Yeah, uh, but Jackson Arnold QB and now Caleb picks the running back. Everybody else is a three star. Oklahoma fans have been used to four and five-star recruits for the last how since Lincoln Riley uh, was at was at the University of Oklahoma, and now they're transitioning to several three-star body types for this twenty twenty-three class. Is this should this be worrisome at all as a gap year, or is this just part of the process? Um, well, on a scale of think- one to ten, basically. Are you, con- are you not concerned, or are you, like, DEFCON 1, are you concerned about Oklahoma's recruiting prior to going to the SEC?
0: Well, see, part of it is a little misleading as far as numbers right now because remember the new policy as far as visits are concerned. Most of these kids are going to want to keep taking visits. You know, their se- senior seasons haven't even started yet. You know, it, it's still just June. Most of them want to go ahead and look around a little bit, and, you know, like we've talked about um, – brent does not want you to be committed unless you are committed that's the staff's new approach is that a little archaic maybe he knows more than i do though i mean it kind of reminds me a little bit you know bob had a bit of that to him not quite to the point of this but uh you know at the same time a lot of those four-star guys are still looking around a little bit and that's okay this is a very big decision for them so a lot of those guys, I think, are going to start rolling in later in the year, you would think. So these classes, um, it's not going to be a uh, situation where guys are going to be coming on board early, especially guys who are very highly sought after. A lot of those guys are going to be coming on later in the process. So I think that's, that's why there's not much reason for panic here as far as the uh, stars are concerned early in the class, because a lot of those guys are going to start trickling in later in the cycle.
2: And and I would say I would agree with that. There are guys on on the horizon that are bigger named guys uh, that are just bigger guys in general. Yeah. Um. This seems like a very again it's a it's a transition. Um. You know, players are obviously also watching to see what Oklahoma is looking like this year. They should. Um, And we're welcomed by Stephen Brown now on the podcast. Uh, talking right in the middle of. This this recruiting cycle and the bodies you're seeing and the bodies you're maybe you're not you're not seeing that are being recruited more often, and that Oklahoma is getting more three stars a little bit more now. But of course, there are more more four stars to come. jack Arnold gets his fifth star. Um, this this recruiting class feels like again it's a transition. It feels like recruits are feeling out Oklahoma, seeing what they're going to look like on TV and also what Levy's going to do, what Venables and Roof are going to do. And it it also just feels a a very Stoopsian class, I suppose, somewhere in the teens, late teens, like you said, Jack, um, guys committing later uh, than they would typically because recruiting these days, NIL, especially with Venables and his whole idea that, you know, the Sooners – they want to have your full commitment. Otherwise, they don't want your commitment yet. Um, and so that's obviously a thing. Um, and that's why Dylan Edwards, I don't think, has committed yet. And, um, Stephen, you're now live. W- what do you think about Oklahoma's recruiting class? With You have more three-star guys right now. Um, is that worrisome at all or no?
1: A little bit, um, but not in the same way that people are thinking. I think you kind of alluded to this um, earlier, and I'm not sure how much you've talked about just yet, but um, to me it feels kind of like that uh, that 2015 class maybe um, where you do have like a Lincoln Riley come in, or maybe it's a 2016 where you you gather a bunch of three stars that you think you like a little bit that, that shows some potential, but um, you haven't been there long enough and you don't have the credibility um at your new program to go after the the big fish uh per se so i think it's more of in that that area where they're kind of finding guys they really like uh because it's a little bit too late to go after you know the top 100 or whatever and and to their credit i think they have found some guys that um that will probably bounce up there in the rankings um phil picciotti is a guy that kind of comes to mind yep. i think yep um, six foot four or- Six foot four, probably a Mike linebacker, most likely. But he can of move offers. Well. Uh, I kind of refer him to as like a small or smaller, but uh, Justin Flow Light. I mean, the guy just loves to be violent with the ball. So I think later in the fall, you'll probably see his ranking pop up, and I think this class will probably finish just inside the top ten. I don't think it's be higher than oh, eight, wow. but um, I think they could sneak into the the eight, nine, or ten spot.
2: That's su- that's surprising to me. Uh, J- Jack, what do you think? Do you, f- do you think this team's recruiting class finishes in the top 10, or do you think they more uh, 10 to 20? I would say
0: probably more in the 10 to 15 mark. That that would mm. be my guess on this. I, I'm not sure they quite crack the top 10, but uh, like you mentioned, Stephen, a lot of these guys are going to be rising in the rankings. Like, we've seen it already a little bit. We've seen it with Jackson Arnold already, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these guys are going to be rising in the rankings a little bit, but kind of like you said, uh, you know, there's – a certain level of credibility that kind of has to be earned in this area. Obviously, Brent Venables has a lot of credibility out on the East Coast and in the South and, you know, to an extent around here as well, you know, from his time at Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, they want to see how he looks as a head coach, of course. So um, that's – I would expect the 2024 class to be a little bit higher ranked. But, uh, you know, I I generally think it will be okay. Now, remember, you know, a lot of Clemson's classes, they weren't always – you know, they were ahead of mm-hmm. the blue chip ratio usually, but they weren't usually in the top five.
2: Oh, yeah, they, were, they weren't Bama. They were actually, they, when they won their title, when they won their first title, they were actually on par with OU that year.
0: Right, yeah, they, they're just slightly ablo- above the blue chip mark, basically. They were never up in the 70% margin. Mm-hmm. So that's just, yeah, they, they were,
2: like, what, 64% maybe? 60s, in the 60s. Yeah,
0: like, 60s, yeah. So it, they were never quite up there with, you know, Alabama and Georgia.
2: They had excellent QB play and yeah. a dominant defense, and, right, and that they, won them several t- <laughs> a scouting, times, a couple times.
0: Scouting, above all, their scouting was superb. Yep. And their development was superb, and so that's something you kind of have to look forward to here. So, if it, you know, if it follows that same pattern, so yeah, it's it's still going to be a good class. I would say probably in the ten to fifteen range, but uh, one that will probably exceed the expectations for what they come in with. I would say.
2: And so that's kind, not, of, kind of talking about other guys that Oklahoma's in on, and specifically running back. I know Oklahoma needs to take, and we all know Oklahoma needs to take at least two running backs this class, just for depth's sake. Um, and now you have a few names that are out there, most prominently, kind of like Dalen Smothers uh, out of North Carolina, another four star running back. You've also got Dylan Edwards, who's, I think, a three-star out of Kansas. He's kind of a lot of three or four, depending on the service. Yeah. Um, Steven, is there one more running back?
1: There's a little bit of something going on with uh, Sergio Snyder out of, uh, I think it's Martin Arlington, Mm -hmm. I believe. I could could have that wrong. But uh, a guy that I think Oklahoma recently offered back in the spring. um, But he's a little bit more on the outside than than Dylan uh, Edwards and, and some others as well.
2: And oh, let's say Oklahoma, there's no way they take – I've been grappling with this. Oklahoma takes two running backs or Oklahoma takes three running backs? Uh, because I've been thinking about, first of all, Eric Gray um, and his eligibility, Marcus Major, and w- whether or not he will actually end up still being on the team or the transfer portal. And then you have the two young bucks and the next guy's coming up. And I keep on thinking about, do they take three with the idea of Dylan Edwards being a part of this class because he'll be split out wide often as well, as much as he would be inside as much, as much as he would be lined up in the backfield as a running back. Um, Jack, what's your opinion? Do you think the old, they should take two, three, if they take two, which two? Um, if they take three, obviously, more like Smothers is a guy. Dylan Edwards, you know what you're getting? Snyder's kind of like a smoke s- signals kind of guy. What do you think?
0: So, Dylan Edwards, and a lot of OU fans, lifelong OU fans, will kind of understand this sentiment. I have a lot of anxiety about OU allowing another water bug skill position player to end up in manhattan kansas (laughs) i don't want to see that again i don't want to see the you know the lockets all, all three of the lockets ending up in manhattan and another one coming up as well a fourth one then you know darren sproles and then you know deuce vaughn of course deuce vaughn i mean might end up heck being the best of all of them at this point uh but I, I have a lot of anxiety about letting guys like that slip through the cracks and end up in Manhattan. So that offer better be, for me personally, that offer better be committable. I really want him to end up in Norman, Oklahoma. I think he adds a lot of value, kind of like what you said. He offers a different look. You can split him out wide. He's a bit of a change of pace guy. He's uh, He offers a different look. You don't necessarily have to have a giant bruising running back all the time. You can give people a different look. And I think uh, if you're going to prioritize one over the the other, I would go with Dylan Edwards. But I don't see why you can't take three in this class. Because like you said, there's going to be some attrition at the position. And you only signed two in the last class. You might as well take three in this class. I think it's perfectly
2: fine. Steven, what do you think? Two or three? I'm on the two
1: side. Um I think they'll probably just stick with two because if you look at the 2024 class, um, they're pretty much in the running for, or are in, in the lead for Stacey Gage, um, who's at IMG Academy, that I think is a fringe five-star at the moment. He probably ends up as a top 100 player still, but he'll probably slip a little bit. But obviously a very talented guy. Um, and if you take three, you probably risk pushing him away a little bit. And, and that's a guy that you pretty much, for the most – most part have on board so you can count that as your third running back if you'd like.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I I'm I'm thinking too and I w- I would say uh of course duh you have Hicks to, uh you have Hicks today. Uh I would say I mean Smothers has been out there for a while, but Dylan Edwards has also been out there for a really, really long time too. Um I don't know if it's a matter of committable offers like you said jack um or if it's a matter of whose spot is just got taken i think uh, it's
1: they've wanted edwards for a while and i think they've kind of gone past the point of waiting for his decision i think he's still a little bit up in the air which is fine for for a recruit at this point in the in the, the stage of the re- recruiting cycle but i think smothers is probably the guy at this point if i had to guess
2: i i and i would agree with that um and of course, Oklahoma's in on two really big offensive line, in particular. I know, I know, there's more uh, players, but specifically Peyton Kirkland and Caden Green. Um, Steven, you mentioned the other day that there might be some potentially good news on Caden Green. Uh, both for uh, Caden Green and Kirkland, both four-star offensive linemen. Um, is there anything into Caden Green and his recruitment with OU?
1: I think it was a couple of days ago that rumor kind of floated around that Green was. Most likely going to move up his uh, decision date. I think he's still going to do his Michigan trip this weekend, but I don't think that's going to move the needle in into recruitment. I think Oklahoma has for the most part shut that down and they should expect Conveniently
2: that. right after their June visits. Yeah.
1: Right after. So I think he'll, uh, he'll announce here pretty soon, maybe at the beginning of next week. Potentially. All right. If not, it's going to be early,
2: uh, early July. Okay. Okay. So, Let's 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 transition to this. Let's transition to this because this is important. Because obviously, uh, Brent Venables is a new head coach in Oklahoma, and it was really, 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 really fun talking about it for a long time. Um, And now you're, you know, halfway deep into June. It's going to be July. And the next thing you know, it'll be late July and early August. And that's means football season Brent Venables. You're going to actualize his head coaching acumen, I suppose. And I'm curious to get your opinions is Brent Venables. And I'll go to you first, Jack is Brent Venables, the guy that leads Oklahoma to a national title. Um, what do they need to become national champions? Of course, other than like, like you mentioned, not all national champions like the Clemson's have had that huge blue chip ratio of 80% like Georgia and Bama. Um, so like, what, 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 do people need? What do colleges, universities need to be national champions? Is it just more than recruiting, et cetera? But is, first of all, is Venables going to lead you to a national title at one point in his career?
0: I think there's definitely a chance of it. And I think if I mean, one of the main things that Oklahoma has been missing as far as having a national championship caliber team is concerned is having all of the pieces and all of the depth for the front seven on defense. I think that's about as crucial as it gets as far as actually having the roster to win a national championship. And who better can you think of to get that job done than Brent Venables? And who better to help you transition to life in the SEC than Brent Venables? I mean, that that's about as crucial as it comes as far as being competitive in that marketplace and that environment is concerned. So, yeah, I think uh, as far as style and as far as priorities are concerned, I think uh, they hit the nail on the head there. I, I think he's, if anyone is going to get it done, I think it is that I absolutely believe that.
2: Steven, what do you, What about you? What about you? Do you think uh, Brent's going to bring a uh, title to Norman?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with Jack on this one. Um, and just to further his point, I think Brent has brought, you know, not just a, a mentality to this program, but also he knows how to build the pieces around him to make it work. Um, he's brought in that turnip seed. He's brought in a lot of additional staffers. He's putting all the pieces together to, Essentially, you know, recruited a high level, but to have total control of this program and in the direction of where it's going, and I don't think Lincoln Riley. Um, I mean, obviously, he could uh, re- recruit really well, but there was a little bit, little bit of uh, doing it too much on his own per se. And I think Brent Venables has has realized that it's not just about him, uh, and he's going to need an entire team to do this. So um, I think he's really put together something special in the front office.
2: The Matt Wells thing is flying very very low under the radar, right? Like very low under the radar
0: conditions. It's easy for any of them to fly under the radar at this. What
2: well, it's it's unbelievable because like Gary Patterson gets all the damn publicity in the world and Matt Wells does actually something good at Texas Tech and then he gets kicked out and then now he's he's doing the same exact thing Gary Patterson is doing at Texas uh, at Oklahoma. It seems
0: like Gary Patterson is kind of like a head coach behind the scenes at Texas, kind of like holding Steve Sarkeesian's hand here. It seems like he's kind close, seem... too
1: close to the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve
0: Sarkeesian, this is um, you know this is his third Power Five head coaching gig, and he needs Gary Patterson to show him how to do his job. That's Thanks. essentially what I'm getting from all of this.
2: So did but, you hire the right guy? You tell me. <laughs> I think this season will tell us a lot, and then maybe when Patterson goes and coaches somewhere else, which will be very, very weird to see him on, because uh, he'll be a head coach on a sideline somewhere else. I don't think he'll retire as an assistant at Texas. Oh, no, I don't. Think uh, so. What does this team need to become national title uh, worthy in national champs, other than just recruiting, like? What what goes into it? Of, of course, you, you mentioned Thad Turnipseed being a really, really big guy as far as getting facilities uh, put in place and just getting stuff done. What else is important to winning that national title, do you guys think? And I'm coming to you first, Steven.
1: Uh, one thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, and I think OU probably is, is thankful for it, is OU is a bit behind on NIL. Um, they really haven't got their collectives together. I think there's, what, two or three of them out there at this point. Um, but there there's nothing newsworthy about it. And I think if you look at the major programs, obviously Georgia's been doing NIL for a decade, just not telling people about it. But uh, Texas A&M, uh, Texas, those bigger schools, a lot of money are kind of throwing that out there and they're getting all the publicity and, and a lot of the attention. And obviously they're recruiting at a high clip, especially Texas A&M. Oklahoma's got to find a way to kind of they want to do things the right way but you can't slip too far behind at this point. Obviously nil is going to even out probably in the next 2 or 3 years but um they have to do something in the meantime to keep them recruiting at a high level with with the big boys. Not a hope yeah. oil
0: prices stay high. So
2: yeah, Jack, same same question. What 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 does this team need other so than just NIL?
0: That that that's a major point right there but uh the other would be, I mean, strength and conditioning. I think uh, getting to a point where you're back to where you want to be as far as that's concerned because you kind of saw the A, the – it seemed like the physical conditioning of the offensive line went downhill just incrementally every year after mm-hmm. Schmitty left and Benny Wiley took over. So uh, and it, that, that's not going to be corrected overnight. You know, it's it's and it's not just a conditioning thing. It's a mentality thing. I mean, he's the guy who, you know,
2: essentially he's with them more often them. than yeah, he's is.
0: in charge of them over the summer when, you know, the real work happens. So, you know, it, it's a giant thing as far. I mean, I think I mentioned this on every podcast that I'm on. You know, culture is maybe an overused word. In college football, but it's something where in this particular instance, it's a very important word here, I think. And considering, you know, some of the things that you were seeing happening in the program and, you know, just uh, certain things were, you know, kind of lacking in that regard. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't a disaster by any means, as far as that's concerned, but it was just kind of incrementally slipping after Bob Stoops left each year. It, it didn't get to disaster area or anything like that but uh you know i think uh you know schmidt is probably the guy to uh as far as a mentality is concerned i think he's the uh man to help fix that a little bit
2: and they are going to be forever grateful that they all go the they all got those gift packages where <laughs> They can ice their legs and have massage guns and Thera guns on their legs and their arms and their bodies to get that lactic acid out. They are going to be forever grateful for modern sports science um, regarding Schmidt workouts today in comparison to Schmidt workouts 20 years ago. Um, and so there's been a lot of talk about the Devon Tower lately for a specific reason. And. My question to you, Stephen, I saw this on your Instagram story. I saw this. I saw what was happening at the tower on your Instagram story. we big
1: time in OKC now.
2: Very, very big time. Uh, would you attempt to climb to the very top of the Devon Tower in OKC if it meant OU would win a national title in football this coming season?
1: Listen, I, I would attempt it. We'll just go that far. I don't think I'm going to make it all the way up. I don't think I'll make it up that far at all um my one stipulation if i do succeed or if i get halfway up and fall and i still win a championship and i die i want a statue everyone else is getting a statue i want a statue in heisman park if i if i climb it and fall and it's just me falling off the devon tower
2: jack
0: you're talking to someone who chickened out of ropes course in eighth grade. So I'm not the one I to did ask.
1: that too, Jack.
2: So don't oh, feel bad.
0: Okay, gotcha. For, what is
2: what all, is ropes course?
0: It's like a it's a deal where you've got like a harness and you go up uh, you know, on high things and you kind of uh go across certain obstacles and no. the one that I looked to it ended in
2: a zipline.
1: It's meant to challenge you.
0: It's meant to challenge. Okay. It's like a team building kind of thing. It's like a leadership kind of is thing. Is it kind of like
2: the thing like that overhangs at like like these indoor kind of like huge arcade things like i'm thinking i'm not thinking heyday there's like there's there's this place called like it's urban air out- or whatever it's usually outdoors but you have like rule you get Ruler. above and there's like different obstacles like you're walking through and you have, still have a harness and you're like trying to balance and all kinds of things and you're climbing kind of
1: yeah, yeah I, I, I are you talking like, I like think main so. event Something like that.
2: It's usually an outdoor thing.
0: This one was at Lake Arcadia.
1: Okay. Right? Yeah, I think we went to the same one.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Probably. Interesting. It was like uh, everyone chickened out, so they started making, like, escape rooms instead.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's escape a good point. Thing. Yeah. I have still haven't done that before. I've heard good things, though. You've I'm never done
2: an escape room?
0: Like I'm not sure if I'd like it or not. Yeah. I, it I would depends just get on angry.
2: The, it's on the, it, yeah, it depends on the people <laughs> yeah. you go with, too. in in the state
0: of your mind factor there
2: yeah the the state of your mind where you're at mentally um a regarding just like in general but also maybe like if you're inebriated in any type of way you know like that might make yeah like if if
0: it was like a sober thing i'd be like can can we like go to a bar like i mean i'd get like annoyed and be like all right i'm over (laughs) this shit
2: like the last time I went to an escape room, I just got angry and I just started opening like like just like opening drawers and like tearing apart things and looking through things like and not understanding or trying to read clues. I'm like, I just want to get out of here and we have 50 minutes left. Uh I would I would, you know, I would I would attempt to climb the Devon Tower, but I know I would get just like not even that high up and probably look down and be like, hmm. Would I'm you have good. a harness
0: in this hypothetical situation?
2: Say what? Would you have
0: a harness in this hypothetical situation? You wouldn't be free climbing, right?
2: Oh, you, you, free, you you free climb that I, thing. Yeah. You would do that. I, I, would, I would get there, but I definitely know I wouldn't get very far. Right, yeah. You'd go back down. Yeah. Yeah. But for national title, you know.
0: No. Nah, I love OU. No, absolutely not.
2: Uh <laughs> So... I get
0: honestly, this is how bad my fear of heights is. If I'm at like an embassy suites, mm-hmm. and you know how it has the uh the floors where they overlook like the lobby.
2: Yep. Yep. I
0: get freaked out by that.
2: That's oh, wow. how
0: bad my fear of heights is.
2: How so, do you feel about would, elevators and airplanes? See,
0: there's a psychological thing there. I'm fine with flying. You're locked hmm. in, it's just it's it's different psychologically. It's different. a
2: vehicle, whereas it's like vehicle, at any moment, yeah. you could fall over the edge of something.
0: Right. Different. Completely different.
2: Especially with the wind speeds, too. God, could you imagine doing that on a windy day? See, it was a windy day yesterday.
0: Yeah. It was like 20-mile-an-hour winds. It's
2: exciting. Uh, <laughs> so, talking about Schmitty, you mentioned him. You invoked his name. We must talk about him. The summer months are infamous. For the strength and conditioning program at the University of Oklahoma, especially when Jerry Schmidt is involved, um, he usually runs off two-ish players that liked football but maybe didn't love football, as was apparent. And he, man, he he breaks you down. The players talk about it. Curtis Lofton, all the guys that have been through the ringer and come out as really good uh, players, as All-Americans. They'll tell you, he will break you down. He will break you like a horse to your bare parts and rebuild you. And you will be forever grateful for that. Um, Of course, that's where the Malcolm Kelly rap always comes in. And I want you guys, and we're going to start on defense. And I'm going to come to you first, Jack. I want you guys to give me a player, one on offense and one on defense, that You are looking forward to see what Jerry Schmidt can do with them with not only that spring and winter, uh, but that summer as well prior to fall camp. Jack, who is a defensive player that you're really looking forward to see Schmitty build?
0: Ooh, David Agwebu would be a good one. Someone who physically has all the tools and has he hasn't been lacking as far as that's concerned? I mean, I think he's been a pretty good player, but uh, I think he is someone who I would really look forward to seeing, uh, you know, in a Schmidt situation. Offensively, it was a very quick thought for me. Anton Harrison, mm-hmm. someone who is very physically gifted on the offensive line, I want to see what Schmidt can do with him. And that's, I mean, that was the place where. You know, the offensive line is where you saw the deficiencies in strength and conditioning Mm the most. I want to see Anton Harrison with a competent strength and conditioning coach and see what happens.
2: Steven, what about you?
1: I'll start on defense. I'll go with a guy, uh, Kelvin Gilliam. Uh, Obviously one of the star prizes of last year's recruiting. or Two years ago now? Something like that? Two years
0: ago at this point. Two Two years ago
1: now. Um, yeah. A guy that has all the twitch in the world, very athletic uh, for a defensive lineman. But when I watched him last season, uh, obviously the strength wasn't was there. He's was getting pushed around quite a bit. So I want to see if somehow he, they can develop him into a stronger athlete. And if they do, I think he could be a superstar. Um, offensively, I'm going to go with the offensive line as well. I'm going to go with uh, Andrew Rame, uh a guy that also has potential, uh, very aggressive. But again, needed to have more time in the weight room to kind of reach that potential i I think if you're looking at this offensive line and where it's gonna really find its strength it's gonna be in the center and i think um i think i would i would go with andrew rain there
2: before in i i agree with andrew that you stole mine so i have to pick somebody different uh but before before i give mine i'd like to and i'd like to announce that um uh, Miss Miss Jack Shields, uh, the wife of Jack, has actually commented, and Jack she wants to know where your dogs are at, bro. Where are your dogs? Oh, they're
0: they're banished back to the bedroom. They're they're very disruptive.
2: <laughs> actually, very, they're banished uh, to the bedroom.
0: Very needy, very dramatic. They are not. They're they're adorable, but and they're good for like a little cameo where I bring them up but they are just not very polite (laughs) and would be a distraction. So anyway, it
2: happens. It happens. They're good dogs.
0: Love them to death. Love them to death. But, uh, many schnauzers are just not podcast. Mm. dogs.
2: Yeah. And, and now we're talking about, we're talking about Schmitty again. And they're, they're big dogs. They're big dogs, Brent. Um, Gosh, on offense, you, I was going to say Reim, Uh You went, obvi- uh, Jack. Obviously, you went offensive line as well. It's it's really hard not to go offensive line, right? After what you've seen over the last however many years, um, I don't think I don't think Matower. I don't think he needs that. I think that dude's actually ready to play.
0: Yeah, plug and uh,
2: play. <laughs> I'm not worried about him. Um, I want to see Wanya Morris. That was the that was the second. Guy on the offensive line that I thought of behind yeah. Rame, He's a guy that is really, really significant. His growth in this offense, his growth on the offensive line with Bill Beatenbow is going to be really significant. After he was SEC, a freshman team of the year before he transferred from Tennessee um, and did not make the impact that a lot of people thought he was going to last year. Uh, didn't really see the field that much. So I'm really curious to see him uh, in what, Jerry Schmidt can do with Wanya Morris on the defensive side of the ball. I kind of go in between two guys. Um, first is Ethan Downs. I'm curious how big he can get uh, while still maintaining his speed. That's big for me uh, because he is, uh, he's not the biggest guy out there, especially in a Brent Menable's defensive end situation. Okay. Uh, but the other guy in everybody's lovable character is, is simply just Danny Stutzman, who I think is going to get along with very, very well with Brent Venables. We we know Jaron Kanick is going to be just probably an, an All American by the time he's done an OU, but and he's going to be that physical Greek god guy in the backfield uh, for, for another student linebacker. But uh, Stutzman with Brent Venables under Jerry Schmidt. Uh, the guy's a goofball, you'll love him to death, and he's a hell of a football player. I just want to see what he looks like too. But again, similar trends, guys in the trenches, Those that that's what's going to really matter uh, this season uh, for me, especially uh, thinking going into this fall. I, I think Oklahoma's got a lot of skill guys. Uh, for me, a lot of the wins are going to be done and dealt with in the trenches. And of course, that's just cliche in football, but it's also truth. Um, uh, all right, last part. What are you guys looking for? So things that you guys went from winter to spring, and now you are in the middle of summer, and you're going to roughly in 45 days be looking back on what all this workout which with Jerry Schmidt has looked like. What are things you guys are closely monitoring as an outcome into the fall from the summer, spring, yada, yada? Uh, Steven, I'm going to come to you first. Name one or two things that you're going to closely monitor about this team. It could be about a player. It could be about coaching. It could be about physicality, the play of game. What are you looking for?
1: I think first and foremost, I want to see who steps up as the leaders on this team. Obviously, you have, you have uh, Dylan Gabriel probably being one of them, uh, being the guy that's taking out the guys to to dinner, uh, running the optional workouts, the seven v sevens, that kind of stuff. So I think you have one there. But I want to see what these guys look like uh, leadership wise come the fall. I think that's the one thing where everyone would agree on that Lincoln Riley kind of missed on was he never really had a leader, you know, post. Baker Mayfield, I guess you say Kyler Murray as well. You bring in Jalen Hurts, but you knew what you're getting with Jalen Hurts, uh, it kind of fell off from there. So, I want to see what the leadership looks like, and I think one thing I'm really curious to see is the running back play. I think with uh, with Jeff Levy's system, it's more of a tack downhill. Um, can Javante Barnes bulk up enough to you know be effective later in the games? Like, because he's what 200 pounds right now, pretty. Pretty skinny on his frame. So, mm-hmm. uh Javante Barnes, obviously you, you named Marcus Major is another one that could, that could, you know, play. He has all the, the ability in the world, but can he be consistent?
2: Jack, what about you? I want to see
0: where Key Lawrence ends up in the secondary, which position he ends up finally settling at, because I think he's someone who demonstrated last year that he's capable of playing pretty much anywhere in the secondary, and he was one of the best playmakers down the stretch for the defense last year. You know, he he wasn't perfect by any means, but he came up with a lot of big plays, and he's someone who came to OU with a ton of upside uh, as far as, you know, where he could end up, uh, you know, as a defensive back, but, uh, you know, he could play a little bit of nickel. He showed some flashes at corner, and I'd say the most likely spot's probably one of the safety positions, considering, you know, losing Pat Fields and uh, DTY but he's someone who's capable of playing anywhere so I'm curious where he's going to end up and just where people end up in the secondary I would say just because you you know you have a new defensive regime so it's interesting to see where those guys end up or where people are put
2: something that I'm really going to look at on both sides of the ball especially when you know you get more tidbits and more things out of camp uh, are two things, on both one on both sides of the ball. First, I'm looking at the physicality on the offensive line. Um, they have been more physical uh, to this point from spring. It, it, even in spring ball, I, I think I, I can't remember who mentioned it, uh, but it was very noticeably, markedly way more physical than what players had been used to in years past and so i'm looking at the physicality specifically of the offensive line um, coming out of out of summer as far as the defense goes i'm curious how far and how fast how fast they have grasped the concept of Brent Venables defense that they're trying to install bit by bit in four play by four plays each week or five plays each week adding one more into your Rolodex of plays that you need to know. Um, I'm curious about their learning curve and their growth, uh, and that's what I'm also going to be looking for uh, because those are the two things that are really paramount, honestly, to the season. Can the offensive line be physical, and can they get the job done up, up front? Is the defense? Because the defense, you did not see Max exodus after the Riley regime left. A lot of the guys all stayed. And so, you have. Of course, they knew what they were getting in Brent Venables. And so, I need to know though, because I can't remember which defensive back said it. I think it might have been Key Lawrence. It might have been Woody Washington, or um. Oh, why do I? Why am I DJ always forgetting? DJ Graham. Thank you. Um. It might have been DJ Graham that said it's like we're getting five new plays every week and they have to perfect them. And we saw in the spring game Brent Venables barking out where personnel should be while the offense is playing. It's kind of like a cheat code, you know, like the offense is doing this. Therefore, you this linebacker can you should be here. You should be there. You should be there. Like basically running the plays through them during the spring game. I don't think people realize that was actually happening, especially if you're just watching on TV. And so those are the two things that I'm really looking for. Um, Steven, you missed the very beginning of the podcast. We talked a lot about Top Gun, the new one. Have you seen it yet? I have not seen it yet.
1: Yeah. What the hell? I'm slacking.
2: I've been busy. This has been, been a busy working. week for me. You 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 are a very busy working man.
1: I ran in here and just like threw the mic down and just jumped in the podcast. It was true. It was but true. I'm excited about it. I watched the Kenobi show. I don't. know. Did you guys watch that one?
0: Seen the first three episodes. I'm I'm liking it so far.
1: And I'm God, good. there's just so many
2: things out. Stranger, Stranger Things too, as well. I did
1: watch Stranger Things.
2: I liked Stranger
0: it. Good.
2: Yeah, I liked it. Too. Our friend of the pod and just good friend in general, Brady Trantham, not a not not a fan of Stranger Things. He thinks it's gone on for too many seasons.
0: I, I get guess, that. They've gotten a little. Yeah. Yeah, they they've aged. A I bit. mean, like I, you, I they're like twenty one in high this, in high school. I, I do think this most recent season has I I thought it was pretty good, and it's not even technically over yet. There's two more. Yeah,
2: you got like that extra installment in July, and it's for those that have like no spoilers, but season four of Stranger Things pretty dark and like way more like creepy than the previous three seasons
0: grad that the show gradually gets a little more adult it started out very Mm -hmm. campy in the first season and oh yeah gradually kids
2: playing D. &D.
0: yeah it it's it's it still keeps some of that charm but like uh yeah it's definitely evolved a little bit and i i i think uh yeah, the seventh episode, the last one, which is the length of a movie, by the way.
2: Oh, yeah, they're all like an hour and a half, hour, yeah. four, hour 45 was, uh, by the end.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was super.
2: I, they're I fantastic. Yeah. So that's all I've got. You guys got anything else? I think I'm good. Jack? I'm good. I'm good. The, the oh, dogs, we should the have our
1: facilities up there. I need dogs to look at Probably yeah. next week. Hopefully. Oh, no new facilities. I'm working, on it. I'm
2: working on it. I like new facilities. So, okay. tune
1: into next week's episode. We should.
2: You okay. should. You should. So, hey, guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate all of you guys that have been following along on the live stream, on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever, you're watching it. Uh, for you guys that listen to it in podcast form, really appreciate you guys there too. Um, follow along on crimsonandcreammachine.com. There's a lot of stuff dropping all the time. Also, there's the breaking tea uh, links that are all over the website that you can go and get Jocelyn Ollow's shirt, a Jada Coleman shirt, Tiari Jennings. You can even get uh, some special edition shirts, uh, like just there's a lot of great stuff. And like Jack said, they're great quality shirts. I like they they really fit. Cool. The fit is really good. It, they, they don't come in like a size too tight, they don't, they don't shrink the laundry, the materials fantastic. Um, just check that out too. Go ahead and follow all of us on Twitter at CC Machine, who Jack is usually behind at J Larry Shields as well. Uh, you can follow me at Kamaravi and CCM, and of course you can follow Stephen Brown at The Updated SB. Again, thank you guys for supporting us. We appreciate you guys, and we'll check you guys later.